0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Teeth and Tails. I'm your host, Dr. Shadi Manucheri, and today's episode is on halitosis, which is the technical term for bad breath. Our guest speaker today is Anna Middleton, who you might know better as the London Hygienist. Anna is a multi-award-winning dental hygienist who started London Hygienist with a mission to change the way oral healthcare is delivered to patients. Anna studied at the Eastman Dental Hospital after working as a dental nurse and graduated in 2015 from the faculty of Royal College of Surgeons. Since qualifying, Anna has attracted an ever-growing and loyal customer base from the public, press, and celebrities. Anna is a key opinion leader for Philips, Align Technology and Oroscoptic. She's also a GBT ambassador and trainer for EMS Dental and an ambassador for the British Society of Dental Hygiene and Therapy. Anna lectures and writes regularly for both industry and consumer press. In this episode, we talk about some common causes of halitosis, treatment options and also what you could do to prevent having bad breath. So I really hope you enjoy and let's get into the episode. Hi Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm very well and thank you so much for inviting me to be on the podcast. My pleasure. I'm very excited about this episode because although it doesn't sound like the most glamorous topic in the world, it is actually very, very important. So before we get into that, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got to be here, please?
1: Okay. So um, for those listening, my name is Anna Middleton and I'm a dental hygienist. I'm also the founder of London Hygienist, which is my branded business that I started five years ago after qualifying
0: from the Eastman Dental Hospital in London. Lovely. And Ina, tell us, what makes you feel inspired and to keep going? I think for me, um,
1: when I started my journey, um, I, I started working with the hygienist as a dental nurse and um, just watching her with her patients and the sort of routine that she had really inspired me to obviously then pursue a career in hygiene as well. And then When I went to uni, it was the same year that direct access came into play. So 2013, when everything changed and it kind of got me thinking and I I was sat there thinking, you know, this is going to be a thing one day, you know, improving access to sort of dental care. And I thought, how would patients find me if they wanted to have treatment? And that's then how London Hygienist was born, because I basically did some market research. I googled London Hygienist and nothing came up. So I bought the .com, bought the .co.uk and swiped up all the social media handles at the time. And then I thought, right, I'm just going to sit on this. And I didn't really do anything with it until I left. But for me, there was just something telling me to do something with this. And I think anyone sort of listening, you know, will agree that over the last few years, the sort of um, number of professionals now carving out their own sort of personal style and branding as well as creating their own businesses has massively increased. You know, when I started my social media, there was only one other hygienist that I followed and she's in Amsterdam. And, you know, now there's like a whole community of dental nurses, dental hygienists, dental therapists, dentists, and it's, you know, that created this massive global community um you know I, I think it's fantastic, and when I started i didn 't really feel that I had many sort of like dental friends or dental buddies, and now you can 't go too far without bumping into one or helping and supporting each other online and I think in terms of like the patient journey as well it's been huge. I think you know coming out the other side of um you know lockdown as well um the number of patients who have been seeking treatment, you know, I feel there's been, a. have had a huge increase in sort of uh, messages, emails, bookings, all coming through, like probably more so than ever, um, as I feel that more and more of the public are starting to really um, like wake up and um, you know, seek ownership for their sort of, their like health and well being. And during, even during lockdown, you know, the number of patients that reached out to me the help and advice and and that again was the whole thing when I started you know it was about improving access to dental care and dental services whether it be face-to-face or remotely um, and then in terms of like the next chapter of my journey um, as some people may know this others don't I've actually gone back to uni to train as a dental therapist so I am still doing a one-year top-up degree which um, at the moment I'm calling the University of Zoom because <laughs> that's what it's been for the last few months however and hopefully be able to get back into the skills lab and carry on training and then eventually get back out into placement so the journey may be a little bit delayed but I'm always um, I think for me you know that constant um, journey of learning and developing yourself professionally you know I I kind of got to my five-year mark and was like oh what do I do next so now this is the next part of my journey which is train as a therapist and then continue to evolve and develop and grow my business from there.
0: Amazing, congratulations.
1: Thank did you. you.
0: Say there, was, there was one defining point where you said sort of this is what I want to do and th- how you got into dental hygiene and, and then therapy. Um, so the becoming a dental hygienist was
1: a weird one. I actually qualified in sound engineering and music tech um, back in the I day. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So I desperately wanted a career in music um, and I, I left school before I finished my A-levels. Um, for several different reasons. And then I was basically just working in bars and restaurants. And my mum was like, please, can you just like do something? So I was like, fine. So I, I signed up and did this music course for two years, which I did really enjoy. And it was, part, you know, classed as full-time, but it was part-time. So I was at uh, college two days a week, and then the rest of the time working. So I've always just been a worker. And then um, I qualified and I started working for an arts company but a lot of the the projects that I was working on were um, government funded, so I did a lot of like projects with children and um, you know like women's projects and things. And then it, this was all around the time of the credit crunch, so then the recession hit. I lost it, all my music work. Also, one of the bars I worked in closed down, and then the other restaurant I worked in was like taken over. So I went from having like three, four different jobs and doing quite well to all of a sudden having like nothing. And it really made me sort of at that time reevaluate what I want to do long term. And I I did have a deep desire to study again. I mean, by this point, I was, what, maybe 24? Um, So I decided to, a friend was like, why don't you become a dental nurse? I think you'd be great at it. So I literally walked around Exeter, which is my hometown, banged on every dental practice with my CV till eventually someone gave me a job. And um, I ended up working as a float nurse. So I covered the whole of Devon, as I said, worked with the hygienist. And that's when I was at Bright this is what I want to do. So I spent that first year as a dental nurse, just doing whatever I could to then apply for um, hygiene. And I was really self-conscious that I didn't have the A-levels they wanted. I didn't have the grades. Um, A lot of people don't know this, that, you know, it was really sort of like, oh, please like pick me. Um, And in the end, obviously it it did work. It did happen. You know, while I didn't have A-levels, I had 10 years professional working experience. And then I guess getting through... um, Training as a hygienist was one challenge, but then in terms of like actually really getting my business off the ground, it came. Um, I worked for someone who wasn't particularly um, the best, you know, person to work for, and it was a very difficult period of time to the point where actually they sort of basically fired me without a reason, um, and I, I was in a really dark sort of place of still trying to find my feet in the dental world, just trying to get a job that I could be happy and comfortable in, and um, at one point after, you know, pretty much six months after qualifying, I, I sort of felt like throwing the whole whole thing in and it wasn't what I'd worked really hard towards achieving. But then it just was that real turning point. I was like, I am going to make something out of this. I don't need anybody else to, you know, hold me back anymore. I can do this. And pretty much the following week, I'd been signed, you know, as a KOL with Philips I had my first article published, I was invited to speak at you know, the dental showcase, and it just really sort of snowballed from there. And then, as I said, you know, the last sort of five years have been that first wave of my journey, and now with the therapy, it's just I'm ready to expand on my skill set, I'd like to learn more, I'd like to be able to offer more services to my patients, and more than anything, sort of commit to a long-term goal. I'm, I'm guilty of going for low-hanging fruits, because it's easy... Um, you know you get that instant gratification it, it, but then for me not committing to like a long term goal can often um be disruptive for my my thinking and my day to day work so yeah i'm i'm look, looking forward to it i've got an exam next week so i'm i'm studying still at home like a good girl
0: <laughs> amazing Well, wow, i had no idea forget about the rest of the episode let's do a but see this on motivation and how to keep going <laughs> Amazing that's such an inspiring story and it just goes to show that there's no one way to get to a destination that you're going to just come across so many different things and you can plan but your the reality is going to go completely different but you know
1: the, the biggest message that I get from people is they either worry that they don't have the grades to get in or they uh, are too old to go or you know they they can't afford to go um, and sort of Like I say to everybody, I have been in all those positions and situations Like when I moved to London, I had to pretty much sell all my belongings, leave my three bedroom house in Devon to move into a single bedroom in a house share. I didn't have a penny to my name. I sold my car to pay for my first month's rent. You know, I I had to rehome my dog. My parents were living in another country. There's a lot of sacrifices sometimes that take place, but it's sort of short-term pain, long-term gain. I went to university with, you know, girls who had children or, you know, found out they were pregnant sort of halfway through the course. Um, You know, there's I I worked every weekend. I worked evenings, whatever I could do to sort of make it work. And, And somehow you just look back in hindsight and you think, geez, how did I get through that? but you always like do. And, you know, if at first you don't succeed, then there's always ways to try again, you know, just because someone didn't get in the first time round. And you know, I'm sure yourself and so many other professionals out there have shared their journey and their story about how it took them a while or how they, you know, failed. But that's all part of the journey and and the block. Some people, yes, they may get there a little bit quicker than the others, but we've all got our own uphill struggle in all aspects of what we do in life including whether we're pursuing a, a, our education or just our job in general
0: yeah and honestly in the grand scheme of things a few years here and there is really not going to make that much of a difference i think you're much better off doing something that you love and that is rewarding for you whether financially or otherwise um than to be somewhere that you don't want to be so well done i'm really proud of you thank, thank you for you oh, thank
1: you very much
0: So let's jump straight into the questions and then possibly we can do another episode talking all about your journey because I'm actually... <laughs> okay so as we know the topic is bad breath so can we just talk about the causes of bad breath and why people might be experiencing this issue I mean
1: as, as we know there's a hundred a million sort of uh, reasons why and they can sort of change on a daily basis but I think it would be fair to say that predominantly poor hygiene Is going to rank number one in our let's say bad breath surgical sieve, Um, and that would always be my sort of starting point to see, you know, establish the like a patient's oral hygiene routine and where they're at with that. And we know that uh, food debris, bacteria, obviously left over a period of time, thrown in with the sort of poor oral hygiene, is going to probably lead to some like pongy smells coming.
0: I agree. I think that's number one, and all the things that stem from it is also from, you know, not brushing enough, and whether it's the food particles, the type of food that you've eaten, it's probably just not brushing it. And I think people, a lot of people will say, you know, I just brush my teeth, and that that's it, I've got good oral hygiene. But it's so much more than that. It's brushing correctly, it's brushing all sides of the teeth, cleaning between the teeth, and also cleaning your tongue. So what a lot of people might not know is that the major bacteria that causes bad breath is actually on your tongue. So unless you're cleaning that as well, then the oral hygiene could be improved.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. I always say, I think people forget that. And then they, you know, they mention things like so they're aware of it, they say, Oh, I've noticed, you know, white coating on my tongue. And you're like, great, the fact that you're aware of this, and then showing them how they can sort of like remove that and just building that into your hygiene routine, you know, I say, just like food and bacteria can get stuck in between your teeth, it can get stuck into the pits and grooves of your tongue as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think once you get into the habit of cleaning your tongue and cleaning between your teeth, you can't really not do it. I think personally, I started flossing regularly, like every day, every night, my first year of uni, and now I genuinely can't not do it. And I think that's the thing with everyone. Once you start, then you realize how much stuff there is actually between your teeth or on your tongue. Okay, so what else could be causing bad breath?
1: I mean, so after we've sort of established whether oral hygiene or not is a problem, I think for me, always the next one is um, dehydration. You know, is the person getting enough water? Um I think quite often that's a really big one because if, you know, the, the mouth is dry, then you've not got that natural buffering taking place in terms of the saliva bathing the teeth in the mouth. And then obviously if you throw in something like, the foods or just bacteria building up that's going to exacerbate that further. Um, and then, you know, the dry mouth, it could just be from dehydration, but also are they taking medications that could be affecting their salivary flow and production? Have they had any, you know, sort of treatment to, um, the head and neck, which could have, you know, damaged the salivary glands in any way. So we're sort of just working through our, our sort of like list of, of things and, um, then we would, at, I guess, look at diet as well. You know, uh, what are they eating? Uh, are they skipping meals? Have they got a low carb diet? Finding out if they have obviously any digestive problems as well that could be causing um, an issue around there. Things like pungent foods, you know, garlic. I think it's worth establishing, you know, is the breath, is the, the sort of bad breath transient or is it just there all the time? Um, Tea, coffee, smoking, all those things as well, you know, can contribute to bad breath.
0: Yeah, smoking is a big one because not only is obviously the tobacco going to cause um, an unpleasant smell, but it can also dry out your mouth. Um, And that's, I think, what you were saying about dry mouth is so important. And there's so many different things that can go into dry mouth, whether you're not drinking enough or whether you have a condition where you have reduced Mm -hmm. saliva in the mouth. Um, you know whether it's because of medication, it could be lots of different things that go into the dry mouth as well. Um, another thing I actually read was that if you have uh, appliances in the mouth, that can cause bad breath in the mouth. So things like Invisalign dentures—if yeah. you're not cleaning that well enough, then it's one. Thing yeah, the worst. I think sometimes um, things like denture care
1: can often be overlooked. Um, you know, I've had patients before, and I, I say, you know, are you taking your denture out at night time? Oh no, I sleep with it in. Are you cleaning it regularly? Oh no. And then next thing you know, you take it out and there's food on it, there's plaque on it, there's bacteria um, on it. So, sort of uh, partial appliances or even for just any, as you said, any appliance, mm-hmm. the sort of care for maintaining those is really important. Uh, patients who sleep with retainers in at night or night guards and like I say Invisalign, making sure that they actually clean those regularly with uh, something to ensure that obviously that the product is protected, but then that bacteria is being removed as well because it just harbors over time and it's the perfect environment. You know, it's, it's closed, it's warm, it's wet, it's, you know, a bacteria breeding ground. Um, and again, like you say, that can totally just lead to it smelling a bit. And I've had patients message me saying, my whitening trays look a bit gross or they smell a bit, you know, tangy. I'm like, yeah, they need a good clean. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, because I think people think they they have to brush their teeth and clean between the teeth and clean the tongue and everything we said, but then their Invisalign trays, they might not be cleaning it as well or they might be cleaning it incorrectly. So I think definitely it's worth taking the time to explain to them because once they realise it, then they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely, because anything you put in the mouth is going to be a plaque retentive feature essentially, so it's going to hold on to anything that you eat. Okay, excellent. So I think we've established... What can cause bad breath? So how can we treat it? I I think, like I said
1: at the very beginning, I think um, establishing a really strong oral hygiene routine um, that's tailored to that patient's particular needs. So, you know, making sure brushing with an electric toothbrush, where appropriate, um, cleaning in between the teeth, again, with whatever is fitting in the spaces nicely. So, you know, ideally incidental brushes. And if that's not suitable, floss and you know for those patients as well i often um will recommend uh, either an air floss or a water pick as an adjunct particularly for patients who have you know heavily restored dentition or may have um difficulty accessing certain areas of their mouth but just being able to have that to help them as well alongside the interdental cleaning um, I think really helps and it provides almost, you know, that sort of therapeutic cleansing action when they're using that. Um, if someone had a persistent, say dry mouth and maybe we on some medications, we'd go down the route of perhaps, you know, liaising with their GP to ensure that, you know, that that's managed effectively. You've got saliva replacement therapies that are out there on the market you know, addressing any perhaps dietary um, aspects that are coming to it, but really getting the oral hygiene routine and just making sure that we're removing the plaque and uh, effectively and regularly, as well as just keeping the mouth well lubricated and hydrated. I think are always going to be at the top of my list. And again, like with the tongue scraping as well. And then all those other uh, factors that we spoke about, just, just going through it systematically One step at a time, thinking, right, we've tried this, we haven't got a result, let's try this, and just going down, but
0: with the fundamentals being the oral hygiene in all cases. I agree. And I think one thing we forgot to mention an important cause of bad breath is things like gum disease. So, gum disease is a big issue. And also, if you have an infection in the mouth, so whether that be from a wisdom tooth or an abscessed tooth that's really going to cause a, a very noticeable smell as well so I think we'll look at the cause and then treat it accordingly and I yeah. always go systematically so if I can find a cause in the mouth then I treat that but if the basic things aren't working then you would look into something a little bit deeper maybe their GI tract maybe their digestion and then as you said just get the GP on board to say well actually we've done these things they're not working can we look into why this does- this patient is having these issues could it be a reflux issue could it be something that needs medication um okay and in terms of prevention what can we do to prevent bad breath
1: just i think as i said you know ensuring um the oral hygiene is as good as it can be um if you are aware of um you know sort of unpleasant tastes or smells then definitely seeking sort of further advice because you know it's it's very easy to sort of self-diagnose at times with the, with the internet at your fingertips however you know i say to people when you are you know it's all very well being like oh i noticed i have bad breath so i bought some mouthwash it's like okay but are you finding out why you have bad breath same with oh my teeth are sensitive i'm just going to use a sensitive toothpaste but it's like but do you know why your teeth are sensitive so i think um exploring what is causing the issue will then obviously help with prevention of further complications. You know, if you've noticed you have a little bit of bad breath and it's say the beginning of gum disease, by getting a good oral, you know, by getting a good oral hygiene routine in place or seeing a dental professional for some treatment will prevent that from progressing further, potentially in the future. Um, and I think it all sort of starts with routine screening, you know, seeing the dentist regularly, seeing a hygienist periodically or, you know, whatever they've been recommended to. And
0: um you know, maximizing their whole hygiene routine at home. Yeah, absolutely. And I think actually I was reading up on this and I've noticed that the majority of my patients who come and see me and they say, well, actually I've noticed a bad breath. You know, I'm quite self-conscious to talk to people. I don't really go out. What's causing it? I've noticed that they don't actually have a bad breath. And this is actually apparently a condition. It's called halitophobia. And yeah. I think that's where 1% of people actually have it. So if people are really, really paranoid and they've been to their dental professional and they've said there's nothing wrong and they can't sense it, there is actually a condition that you think you have bad breath, but you don't so and it's always the patients that come and say well I'm really sorry my brushing isn't good my mouth is in a state yeah. and their mouth is perfect like it's always the one hygiene. Yeah. you're doing a good job always and you're yeah. like you're doing a really good
1: job but that goes back to what I mentioned about that transient uh, sort of bad breath as well where it could just be there one you know one day and they're they're aware of it and then it goes away again sort of thing so I'm always just sort of mindful to pop it in my notes and then ask the patient when I next see them, how they've been getting on. Have they noticed anything different since they last saw me? You oh know, And like, even if we just throw in a couple of extra like little tips and tricks, you know, I routinely recommend things like sugar-free gum or sugar-free mints as well to help just with like increasing cyber production, but also just to give that patient that sort of like little, um, uh, pet their breath and make them fit. Yeah, of course. And you know, there's plenty of products on the market now that you can use on the go. You know, we constantly have the debate about to mouthwash or not mouthwash. I'm like, well, actually on the go, or after you've had some coffee or your lunch and you feel that you want to freshen your breath, that's a perfect time to use a mouthwash. Mm-hmm. as long as it's got some fluoride in it and it's alcohol-free. So that, again, patients then are like, oh, okay, so now they've been educated on, you know, how that works and when to use it. And again, it's just building a nice routine. It's like we wash our hands after we touch something. So feel free to rinse your mouth out as well, you know, after you've eaten or, or had something to drink.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think with what you mentioned about after lunch and things, it's. I've seen a lot of people say, well, actually, when I'm at work and I eat, I brush my teeth straight away and that's not a good thing to do we know that we need to wait for the saliva to sort of neutralize the acid that's produced by eating food so maybe using a mouthwash to rinse their mouth is the best idea because you yeah can that's what i
1: are rushing yeah 100 and i think that's a really nice little sort of way to build on an oral hygiene routine you know sometimes my patients say like, oh but i brush and then i use a mouthwash i'm like okay let's break the two up and spread it out in the day. I said, just put, put your mouthwash in your desk at work or, you know, in your handbag. So then that way you can just literally freshen up on the go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and one more thing, I read in your article about um, eating certain foods that lead to bad breath as well. So it's like ketoacidosis and that sort of fruity breath. That was actually really interesting. So could mm. you just explain for us how eating no carbs can sort of uh, cause that bad breath as well? So,
1: i uh, when it's just that you know the skipping sort of meals or when you're fasting um the whole point is that that that's a sort of a process where then your body goes into a particular state where it then starts to break down the fat stores within your body and one of the byproducts of that is that ketone acid so um and i guess people often say it's like a sort of like a pear drop sort of smell it's got a very um specific smell that people will notice, um, and then obviously, what happens is it's like that sort of mixture of, of the um, if your oral hygiene isn't good, and then you're dehydrated as well. Um, that's going to exacerbate it either even further. So this is something that can also happen uh, with diabetics as well, because what happens is the you know insulin will break down the glucose to provide the energy, and if the body can't get the energy from the glucose, then it starts to burn down the fat. So that's why those two are quite closely related, but it could just be someone is diabetic or it could be that someone has, you know, missed a meal and they're going into this, um, this ketone state. Um, and what happens is that can increase the sort of acidity in the blood. I mean, I'm no expert in this. It's just something I'm sort of, be aware of because we also know that when you smell that um sort of smell that can also be a sort of um sign and symptom you know um in terms of like a medical emergency if someone was to go into a um a ketone state from their diabetes
0: it's very interesting and i read somewhere about people who exercise a lot like athletes and things they can sort of have that breath as well and also because if they're exercising more then uh they have a reduced saliva in the mouth as well so that kind of leads to bad breath
1: the same with people who are on um you know like that keto diet where you um you know a low carb state and a high fat um it's just the, the sort of a, an interesting byproduct but you know without going down the sort of medical path with it it's you know just people should be careful but if they are aware of that then that's sort of what is going on um but i would always you know in that sort of situation perhaps uh advise that they seek Um, guidance from their GP or a dietician depending on um, is this something that they've just noticed or is this actually something that is part of their diet or their, their sort of health in general
0: absolutely great okay so this is the last question but it's actually very I think it's interesting and I think I hope people will find it interesting as well could you tell us what morning breath is and what causes it (laughs) (laughs) I
1: th- <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there um so I think for me it's just that sort of combination of it, it, mainly more than anything it's just dehydration first thing in the morning you know when you're asleep at night sliver production slows down in general so uh when you wake up in the morning that's you know why we always reach for a glass of light water um I think you know at, a clean mouth morning breath isn't actually very, let's say noticeable. It's just quite a sort of bland smell and taste. However, it will be exacerbated if you have poor oral hygiene, if you have gum disease. Snoring can also contribute to the dry mouth. Um, so that can be a sort of an element that adds to it. But I think more often than not, you know, if you've been drinking the night before, alcohol is a diuretic, so that will contribute to it as well. Uh, And if you've had something, you know, strong to eat or drink the night before, again, if people say they've been out on a night out and been smoking, then that's obviously going to add to it. So morning breath, I think, comes in all sort of shapes and sizes um, in terms of its boldness. But yeah, definitely um, staying hydrated, you know, keeping a glass of water by bed, making sure in the morning you have a nice big glass of water and, you know, just
0: cleaning your mouth as soon as it's convenient and the time to do so. I agree. Very well explained. I think the the most important thing with morning breath is dehydration, because when we're sleeping, our saliva production slows way down. Mm -hmm. And people might notice this dry ropey white stuff in their mouth, which is actually saliva. And I didn't know what this was for years until I learned about it, but it's actually quite interesting because it slows down and then you're obviously not clearing any bacteria or any food particles that have been left from the night before. Um, So depending on what you've had the night before, it can be all sorts of different tastes and uh, smells. Okay, perfect. I think we've just about covered everything. Anna thank you so much for joining us today and I think like I said although it's not glamorous I think it's a very important topic and a lot of people actually suffer from it and it's and it's a condition that can cause them to sort of feel very self-conscious and affect their self-esteem so thank you so much for joining me today my pleasure thank you I really hope you enjoyed this episode and now have a better understanding of halitosis, its causes and treatment options. As we discussed, it's very likely that uh, the bad breath you're experiencing is caused by something quite simple, like poor oral hygiene, um, or alternatively, sometimes it could be something a little bit more complex. So always, always see your dental professional for assessment and advice tailored to you. As always I would love to know what you thought of this episode so please feel free to reach out to me on instagram at dr there will be a new episode every week so please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and I can't wait to speak to you soon